All right. Welcome into Educational Leadership on the Go. This is our April podcast of 2021, and uh, we're excited to be back. I have Dr. Wellborn, Dr. Ryan Looning, and we are here for another glorious podcast here uh, at Educational Leadership on the Go. As always, you guys can reach out at leadonthego at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at educate underscore Bain. Dr. Looning, you can get it, Dr. Looning VPHS and Dr. Wellborn at Wellborn underscore Jamie. And we're going to jump right in because behind the scenes, we were just 10 minutes in and it shut her down. The internet did at my house. So we are, we are just in rare form right now, but you know, that's just the way it is uh, in this, in this world right now. So um, we're going to jump in and then get going. We'll check in with everybody. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to start with you. I know that you have a little bit of an update on uh, a little uh, project you've been working on. Uh, so give our listeners a little bit of update and see how you are. Well, first of all, I think to the day almost is our three-year anniversary of this nice. podcast. So yes. we've got to celebrate that. And like I said, um, we've, we've made tons of money. Just yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's a joke. I know people can't see us or, you know, insert sarcasm. Yeah. But it's been a blast, um, actually. Yes, it's been awesome. It has. And, and a quick three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on my front, uh, pretty exciting just being a, a professor in the spring when, when graduation is coming up. You know, people are defending their dissertations. I live in the world of research all the time. Um, Get to see people's propo proposals come through and then all the way to they're defending those dissertations and just just to be in that piece of education is really cool to, to see what you know current educators are thinking about and uh, really focused on for the future um so a couple things with the culture proficiency work so my organization mccps we actually just opened registration in the last couple of weeks for an upcoming certification opportunity. So um, really this is for all educators um, from, from staff to teachers, to superintendents, principals, uh, open to really develop your skills to be able to lead this work in your district. So uh, if you're interested in uh, information on that, you can always hit us up uh, here at the podcast and they can uh, get me, uh, in contact with you, but also if you just want to email directly, info at midwestccps.org. Um, and then uh, I've talked about this, I know, for a year, maybe longer, but uh, a, a book is coming out. Uh, I did a two-year research study on a district that was implementing the culture proficiency framework uh, and, and really trying to increase equity and access within that system. And so that book, uh, again, written for principals, superintendents, uh, will be coming out hopefully January. So it's getting closer. Awesome, awesome. A lot, Jamie's got a lot going on there in her world of uh, cultural proficiency. I know that um, I would suggest and highly recommend people get involved with that. So please uh, find out some information on that. It's been uh, great for myself personally. Uh, to go through some of that journey as well. Ryan, what's going on, man? Not much. Good to see you guys, Jane. Congratulations on uh, the uh, the book coming. I know we've talked about it for a while. It's exciting that it's finally getting closer to to being the reality that I know you 
all the hard work you put into it. So that, that is really outstanding. Um, we, are, we are good. We are doing very well. Um, you know, we're, we're still on Valley Park High School and uh, a lot different than last year where this time last year we had just shut down and, uh, you know, we're canceled all events and we're trying to figure out if there would be a graduation for our high school seniors. And um, at least this year now we're able to start talking about uh, events and Friday night's kind of our first senior event that uh, kind of leads them into their, their end of their uh, high school careers. We have a prom and we're doing, you know, probably like most schools across the United States, a very uh, limited prom. It's for our Valley Park seniors only, no outside guests, no underclassmen, um, but our seniors really wanted to get dressed up and have a, have a night that they can, you know, at least try to uh, have a little, little more normalcy than maybe they've had recently. So uh, we're excited to be able to do that. Then we have an award ceremony that we're doing outside and um, then graduation, you know, we'll have four guests at our graduation with the, with each senior. So um, that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's, it's, it, you know, it's different, um, but at least we're able to do some things because last spring that was not the case. And uh, it's, I know our seniors and our senior parents and, and their families have really been wanting to, to have some more normalcy. So uh, it's exciting to be able to bring some of that to them. And then personally, I was telling you guys beforehand, uh, you know, being a father of a 16 year old, he just turned 16 here a month or so ago. And uh, um, he's driving his car and got his job and, you know, he's on the golf team. So there's just, you know, cool stuff happening, you know, like as a dad you kind of hit those milestones too so uh kind of kind of fun to, to be able to share that with you guys and even tell our listeners a little bit about that we are normal and uh, <laughs> we do have I, I chase my 16 and 14 year round like like everyone does with all our other supervision activities and the, and the work we do we're still uh, we're still family people first and we got to take care of our kids and our families so uh i'm enjoying the heck out of that and uh, you know it's been kind of cool to see his milestones kind of starting here at uh, his 16th birthday yeah, you know, and uh, it's interesting. We, uh, in my world, what's the uh, same type of thing. My kids are younger, uh, 11, and then two boys that are eight. Um, you know, it's just, it is interesting. But one of the things we talked about and kind of throwing a curveball here was burnout and administrative burnout and teacher burnout. And it always comes up this kind of, this time of year. But, you know, one of the things that I think really leads to that, and I'm kind of kicking off course, but I, I'm glad you brought up your own kids is like, is that we start to put our job before a lot of things and we don't take the opportunity to coach our kids. You know, I coach so many teams and that's my release. That's my, my fun time. And it's, and it's in a way, the reason I love coaching is because it's like teaching. And so being an administrator, you don't always get those avenues to teach, you know? And so I love that teaching aspect of it, but you know, and, and I think that, you know, we can just get so overwhelmed with ourselves and where we're going and, oh, it's just a practice. I don't need to be there. You know, I think that that happens way too often and that can actually uh, play into that burnout piece. So, you know, I'm, I'm coaching a lot, soccer, baseball, softball, and enjoy the heck out of it. You know, it, it's, 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 it's so fun to watch them uh, use their brain in different ways than uh, just in the classroom and that creativity come out in, in sport or, or lessons or whatever, you know, people are doing. So, um, you know, uh, one of the projects I'm working on, and I, I don't know that I brought it up on here. So kind of another curveball is we have, we passed a bond issue last year. So I have a, about an $8 million project going on at our building. We're expanding, putting on a new, a new building and then doing a renovation. And I'll tell you what, from a leadership perspective, 
I've learned so much. Um, and our district's been awesome. They've given me the leeway. Like, you know, it's my baby now. Right. So I could tell you every door, every where, I, you know, everything about it, <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, as leaders, you get these opportunities to, you know, have influence in these types of things and you learn a lot, you know, and, and that's the one thing that I've going through the process. We're now to the point where we're getting ready to put it out to bid next month and then they'll break ground, you know, on our campus over the summer, but it's just, it's been an interesting process. Um, and when you get into this, you don't think about that, you know, but, uh, just managing all that has been kind of different and fun. And finally, you know, like you were saying, Jamie, you know, you work on something and it's still like, I've not seen somebody break ground on our project yet. And my assistant and I had talked, it's like, it's not even reality, you know, cause when you picture what it's going to be, it's just transformational. And so, you know, it's like your book, you keep you working and working and working and you're tweaking and you're tweaking and you're tweaking. And, and finally, you know, you, you, like you said, you kind of have an end in sight, but it's still there, you know, it's still out there. So uh, that's been an interesting and uh, cumbersome project, but a fun project. So kind of going back to what Ryan was saying in this podcast, we kind of want to do a little bit of reflecting, but in a different way. You know, I think now that we've kind of hit that year mark of being in the COVID education world, I think the, the simplistic thing to be is, oh, let's review that year. And I, I just don't think that's really when we talk, that's really not that entertaining to us. But what we wanted to do was kind of look at it and take it from a different angle. So as a podcast, we wanted to look at, you know, kind of eat our own words in a, in a way. Cause one of the things we said early on is that we changed education overnight, everything changed. Then over the summer, it changed 15 different ways, right? You know, Ryan, we were talking about we're in person, we're not, we're, and, you know, so there's been a lot of change, but one of the things we talked about is we're, with this change will come a lot of good. And we've, I, you know, I often say, you know, changing education is like turning the Titanic, you know, and, and I remember Ryan, uh, Dr. Deschamps, I always tell a story when we were going through Maryville, you know, he said, you know, my dad would be over, <laughs> you know, a hundred years old. And if I dropped him, you know, dropped, you know, and he had passed away years and years ago. And he said, if I dropped him back on earth or in, you know, where we live, he would just he couldn't function with technology and, you know, everything. But he goes, if I dropped him in the middle of a high school, he could probably still function. There's still a bell schedule. There's still this There's still, you know, so, you know, I always remember that, that story he said, and, he, and that had so much relevance because it is so hard to change the way we've just done things. Well, we were forced to change this time, you know, we didn't have a choice. So one of the things we wanted to revisit is what changed and what did we like about that change? Or what are some things that happened out of that change um, that we want to keep doing? And, that, and that's kind of holding us accountable because we said that. We know we said when we get out of this, quote unquote, back to normal, we're going to learn a lot from it. So what are some things that we've learned? And we want to make sure as leaders, you guys listening and you guys as teachers know, hey, this is what's worked for us. And then I want to encourage everyone listening, don't go back to every way every, to the way it was, you know, don't go to the summer and come back August and say, well, we're back to normal, whatever we did, we're back to, you know, so that's our big encouragement. So, um, you know, I, I, I'll kick it off and I'll kind of change it from when the, and this is about the time the podcast kicked off the first time. So hopefully it's not bad luck, but you know what we're doing now with the zoom, um, but I'll change it a little bit, you know, 
one of the feedbacks we got, and I know our, our board of education got, was that people actually really liked having the ability to do Zoom for parent-teacher conferences. You know, in my building, I have a lot of, you know, and, and at every building, a lot of single parents who, you know, they, and you think about it, you know, the, the, the conference is at 2.30 on a Thursday afternoon for 10 or 15 minutes. And now they've got to, you know, take off work or, and it, because it is important to them, but that, that when you step back from that, it's a little selfish, right? Like, okay, it's, it's important, but you know, how many of our parents were able to just step out and not have to take time off, you know, and could do it over zoom. Um, and I do think it's important to be face to face when you're having those kinds of discussions. And, and, and so our board has talked about, is that something maybe we want to continue to do is offer that virtual ability. I think Ryan, you, you know, said in the last one, we have to be careful to lose all that in person. Um, and one of the things I said is that I've liked not being out of my building, you know, not being pulled for a principal's meeting, still being present in that building. And even that drive time there and back, and you're right there. As soon as you're done, boom, you walk out into the office. I've loved knowing five days a week, I will be in my building. That, that's I've loved that because of the ability to jump on Zoom and have those meetings that you would typically drive across the district for, you know? Um, so I think just that ability to connect over uh, Zoom or Google Meet, whatever, I think that we need to explore keeping that. But I think, you know, Ryan would, you know, say, uh, let's balance that. We don't want to lose all that in person because there is uh, the relationships that you gain come from in person. They come from like the 15 minutes before and you're talking about your kids and you're talking about what's going on in life. Those were those relationships. And I, especially with me, you know, I've been there six years, so I know my colleagues, but if you're a new principal and you don't know the people you're working with and you only get to see them over zoom, you're not going to create that relationship. So I think we got to be absolutely 100% careful. Uh, but I love the parent teacher conference idea. Um, cause I think that might encourage more people to participate. And if we get more participation, I think that can only help our kids. So sorry to rant there a little bit, but Jamie or Ryan jump in. So I just want to jump in. Of course, we don't have parent teacher conferences, but I, I do meet with students so much more now than I did before. Like when you think about providing feedback on three chapters of a dissertation, those folks don't have to drive all the way in, you know, because I work with teachers, principals that work all day long. And so oftentimes those meetings would have to take place, you know, after they're off or whatever. But because we can just jump on Zoom for 15 minutes to talk about, you know, whatever it is, um, I, 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 again, think that is um, something that shouldn't go away. And I think it's, it's just helped me to provide more feedback and, um, I don't know. I found the relationships like I'm not going to take anything away from those face to face. And I, I totally get it. Like we've had some new faculty members um, in the last in the last year. And so that relationship's not there. But as far as being in class, uh, I feel like just being able to see everybody there, the relationships that I have with students are even a bit stronger um, just because we're able, I don't know, to talk about it and to talk with each other, um, learn from each other where you wouldn't necessarily do that in a, a big classroom. So I know that, I know that it's probably not that way for every professor, but 
in particular, a couple of the classes that I've taught, I felt like the relationships um, have been pretty strong. So, oh, Ryan. Yeah, and I would, you know, kind of piggyback on a lot of the things you guys just said. And, uh, you know, JB, I think, you know, at the high school level and, you know, the, the, when we were all virtual, you know, we, we were looking at a lot of blank screens, which I think was probably the biggest problem with developing relationships and, and you know, really getting to know the kids and probably at the collegiate level, you know, the professional level that you're dealing with, folks are much more willing to turn their cameras on and, and be on camera for those things. So I think I know that that was reported by our teachers, a big struggle with the, uh, you know, the, the Zoom classes, the all virtual and but, uh, you know, we've had a lot of success, as Dustin talked about, not even just parent-teacher conferences, but, uh, you know, at the high school level, having our post-secondary planning meetings, our, our testing meetings, you know, we're, we're getting uh, more parents through, through, through our Zoom meetings than we ever did in person uh, for those type of events. And, and like Dustin said, I'm sure it's convenience. I'm sure it's not having to drive in. I'm sure, you know, they can plan their break, or, you know, if they're working nights, they can plan their break around um, and sit through a, a Zoom meeting, but they you know, if they, they, they couldn't drive, they couldn't take a break and drive to school to see those things. So um, really continuing to, to use those type of uh, tools will, will always happen. And, you know, I was speaking uh, in the, previously about, you know, the personalization of education and, uh, you know, we all want our professional development to be personalized. We all want uh, our assignments and our assessments for our students to be personalized. Well, um, you know, some people really thrive through, you know, not having to um, be in person. That's not, you know, they're more introverted, but then other people are very extroverted. So, you know, again, that's the, the balance of the two, being able to make sure that we have both of those areas to be able to offer uh, and, and be able to share those, those different platforms to help each group, um, you know, really thrive in whatever we're doing. And, and the last thing I kind of really, I, I found myself, you know, a lot of our meetings we've had, instead of having, you know, in-person meetings or even Zoom meetings is we've even gone to just doing the, the work through Google documents or Google spreadsheets where you're just, you're, you're sharing your information, your PowerPoints, and you're working, you know, asynchronously at home, but you're working in your group. And, you know, if Dustin likes to get up at five in the morning, do his part of the project or uh, work through his F list. Um, but I'm more of a night person. I like doing mine at nine in the evening after the, my kids go to bed. You know, you can still get those type of things done a lot easier now than saying, hey, Wednesday, the third Wednesday of the month, we're all going to meet in your data teams and you're going to sit and you're going to, you know, be there for an hour. Um, well, now you can, your hour can be anytime. You can work on uh, that data work elsewhere, uh, you know, and you can make comments. You can, you know, challenge each other through through your comment section. So I really think some good things have happened here that, uh, you know, that, that I know we're not going to go back to. And uh, quite frankly, we probably, it just forced us to move quicker than when, than we all probably wanted to. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I don't want to beat the dead horse here with kind of the Zoom and stuff, but you brought up a couple of good points that stuck out to me and, and Jamie, you hit, hit it right on the head with some of the, the driving in and whatnot. And to think like, it's so weird to even put ourselves back because even when we were trying to do the podcast, a lot of times, like we call some, but we would have to meet up at Ryan's house. And it's like, Holy cow. Why, why, why did we do that? You know what I'm saying? But you just, that was, that was all you knew at the time. But I think, like you said, Ryan, you brought up a great point about things that maybe parents wouldn't typically attend. So I think about, like I just mentioned, the project we're working on, and I want to be able to show parents, hey, this is what we've planned out. You know, this is what it's going to look like. 
you know, if you have that at like a seven o'clock at night, you might get, you might get some, but you're not going to get a ton of parents, you know, or districts that are trying to educate people on a bond issue or any of those things. What better way you got to make it as easy as you can for people get in their living room. All they literally have to do is pick up their phone, you know? So like, even if we could meet in person, when I go to give, you know, the final layout of what this project is going to look like, there's no doubt I'm going to do a Zoom or a Facebook Live or something where people, all they literally have to do is tap a button and they can see it. And I, then I think from a leadership aspect is you're going to get so much more buy-in. People are going to be so much more in the loop. Um, they're going to, they're going to be able to access. And I think you can pick things up from there. You know, our district's getting ready to go through another CSIP process. You know, how much will you do virtually just to get people to participate, you know? And again, Ryan, like going back to that piece is it, when you're doing stuff like that, it doesn't have to be all about the relationship there. You're wanting to just get participation, feedback and information. So I think that obviously that, that, connection and, and that use of zoom and whatever, you know, over is going to be huge. And I do think we need to do that. And when we were talking last time, and I think you brought it up even here because you started talking about in the asynchronous learning part, right? So maybe you guys can kind of talk about some of those tools, but I'll tell you, and, and I'll talk from an elementary perspective, you know, it really forced a lot of our teachers to get in and understand Google classroom, you know, but we also bought, um, for our K through two teachers seesaw, which is, you know, a very kid friendly version of basically being able to make assignments. And, uh, you know, so I'm looking at it because having two eight year olds, one of my sons, you know, that goes with me, his teacher, um, they do a five finger retail every week, you know, so, um, they read a book and they, they call it a five finger retail. They have to tell some main components of the story. Well, before she had to do that with just about every individual kid and work it out throughout the week. Now the kids bring the book home, they read it, and then they get on Seesaw and they record their five finger retail, which then it kicks it to her immediately. You know, so she's getting the same work and she's putting in, I mean, minuscule amount of time that she was before. I mean, to think about having to go to each kid and do a five finger retail on every, you know, that's a lot now to move that piece. And, and, and now that our kids are back five days a week, that's really the only thing they do on seesaw, you know, but wow, what a tool. And, and I've talked to our teachers about some of the word work and the things they do on there. The kids love it because they like manipulating things and recording themselves. We need to utilize uh, and a lot of those teachers that didn't really want to learn or get in and, and, and learn much about Google Classroom or Seesaw or whatever, you know, that were reluctant to do that. Well, this forced them to do that. And I think so many of them, that asynchronous learning part, Ryan, and, and you can kind of expand on it. And I know you kind of hit it from a leadership perspective, but maybe the, the high school perspective and Jamie, even that college perspective, that asynchronous learning is such a valuable piece. It's the independent piece but it's such a time saver and we're going to kind of talk about this in a little bit, but about closing that gap and learning that could have occurred during this last year. Think about now I'm not meeting with every single kid about that book, but now I'm getting to listen to them do that. And I'm meeting them about another book, you know, or doing something different individually. I think that asynchronous piece 
we really, as leaders, and I get kind of going on here is then get back to as leaders and principals, like I need to ensure that I build into my budget so that we can keep certain things like seesaw and that it's my responsibility because if you take it away, you, they'll never bring it back. You know, so we really have to, as leaders think, and, and this is the time of year that I would be encouraging our listeners to be saying, okay, what did we purchase or what did we do and what do we need to make sure we keep as we go along? And the, that asynchronous learning, things that did that effectively, I really encourage people to keep going with those, those tools. Ryan, anything asynchronously from the high school or just another piece on that? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it goes back to everything you're talking about. I mean, and it's, I, I think we all have grown up doing things the way we saw it done in schools or we, you know, we, we, we respected someone or a colleague and this is just the way it was done. So um, to, you know, I, I like to be, think that I, I'm needed, right? So yeah. my faculty meetings, you know, they, they really need to hear from me, don't they? <laughs> staff really needs to hear from Dr. Looney once a month about um, all the ins and outs of school and, and teachers need to, you know, stand up and deliver the information. And we know that uh, with, with, with technology and things that the, being the deliverant, the deliverer of information is not the way to do it anymore. But uh, I think this really forced us to say, you know what, especially at the high school level, our kids can do a lot more than we thought they could. Um, they, they are much more capable than, than maybe we thought, you know, they could do things. And, uh, so, you know, you give them assignments and, you know, we, we, we're still, uh, virtual on Friday. So I know you're five days, Dustin, yeah. we're, we're four days with a virtual Friday and, and at the high school level, uh, a lot of it's the check-ins where you're having some individual one-on-ones, uh, and breakout rooms, but most of our teachers are using that time for asynchronous learning, you know, and just kind of having check-in time. And, uh, again, we'll go back to five days in person, I think next year, as long as, you know, the, the, the virus is under control and we're, you know, the, the vaccinations are doing what they're supposed to do. Um, but I, I, I still think there's gotta be some value in that, that asynchronous yeah. time in yeah. class, that independent time, uh, even though we're five days a week and uh, really trying to um, utilize that. And, and again, I think whether it's you or um, administrators who are listening or teachers who are listening, or even students who are part of this issue, um, we all want more time, right? So, so how can we create more time? And some of it is just being more asynchronous and allowing, hey, if, if I'm better working at five in the morning or nine at night, finding ways to give people that opportunity to, to work when it's best for them. So uh, that, that's been a major uh, change, and, and, but, but it's definitely one that I won't let go away and I hope the world doesn't let go away. Yeah, and, and I'm going to come back. I want Jamie to chime in here, but I want to revisit that virtual day thing. Uh, yeah. And be, because we are five days in person, but our middle schools and high schools are still four days. Um, so, Jamie, did you want to build on that before I kind of get us off on that? Yeah, I um, so I, I I was fortunate enough. One of the classes I was teaching prior to the pandemic was actually a hybrid already. And so I didn't have a lot of changes when March hit last, you know, last year. However, what I've found this year, the, the use of um, asynchronous learning, at least for me, we have throughout the School of Education, um, we, we formed a diversity, equity and inclusion committee and are, are really working through some of that, but we're working to embed it in everything that we do. And so, 
when you think about that, so me having just all this knowledge about the culture proficiency framework and, and how it fits within curriculum, instruction, assessment, hiring practices, everything. When we think about, you know, our job is to prepare educators, whether we're talking undergraduate teachers or whether we're talking, you know, preparing principals and superintendents. I've had a lot of faculty reach out to me this year and say, hey, can you come in on this day at this time and, and just give us a little introduction as it applies to you know, X, whatever, whatever they're focused on. Well, there's been times where I can do it and there's been times um, where I'm not available. And so what I've found myself doing is uh, you know, having, having some slides that they can see so they have a visual, but then recording it so that way that professor can play it. And so mm -hmm. that stuff is timeless. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah. and I think will be really valuable, not only for, um, you know, we as the educators to learn, but also to be able to, to teach others about it. So whether you think about, you know, I'm essentially teaching the faculty how they can apply it to their course, but also the educators within those classrooms then have that knowledge and can kind of make those connections of, okay, if I'm leading a faculty meeting, I could use this 20 minute activity to help us think through this lens. Um, and so, it, I mean, it's kind of serving two purposes, but uh, so I guess I'm talking really about professional development, which you, you know, I do a lot of in schools as well. So I just have to tell a really quick story. So March, 2020, I was driving home from Disney world and I got a call from one of my very good friends that we've been, we had, we had talked about getting the culture proficiency certification training that I was telling you about online. And I remember telling him, cause you know, at that point, like yeah. fear was like, I just closed down Disney world. Disney world right. doesn't close. Right. right. Um, and so all this fear, you know, there's no toilet paper, all of the yeah. things. And I remember saying to him, like, I just don't know if I'm going to have time to do that. Uh -huh. And as of, I don't know, June, that's all it was, is yeah. I was online. Like uh -huh. I took it online right. in that quick of, you know, quick yeah. of uh, time and yeah, now it, I can't envision doing it in person delivering right. the these um, sessions in person I have one actually um, uh, a new school district is starting a partnership uh, with my company and we're going to be I'm going to be in person again at the end of May so that's really exciting um, but it also makes me just think about um you know, how we might think about professional development a little bit differently as well as school districts. You think about the, the large amount of money that it, it costs for subs, you know, the disruption yep. to the yep. actual learning process. And if there's some way to take professional development, obviously there's, there's lots of value in being able to, to get on and work collaboratively with others. Um, that it can't go away totally, but may we think about it some way where it could be asynchronous some of the time. So it's well, definitely something yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about and planning for. Absolutely. And Jamie, you're, you're, you're making me think even, you know, before I even go back to that is like the efficient, I think I keep thinking of the word efficient when you were talking. Right. And so how can you be efficient with your time? Well, when I was able to participate with uh, some of the professional development you were doing, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, you had people in the, in the professional development from obviously here, but I mean, they were all over the country, right? I mean, I, I saw people from Arizona and all over the place. Well, you would have never collected that group of people had you not had to do it online the year before. Then what I think is awesome is that you would have never 
I would have never heard their story, heard the interaction. We would have never connected. And, and it, it's not like we had a deep connection, but you get to hear and learn from them, from people you would have never interacted with. You know, where I am taking a group, uh, hopefully everything stays fine and everybody stays healthy, but we have a, I got a chance to take a group to the model schools conference or we have scheduled to go in, in Nashville. But I've noticed that, you know, it's, in, it's online and in person. And, you know, and again, if we talked about the meta leadership, you know, that you got to probably think some of these people that are running these conferences are like, we could have been doing this for years. You know, we could have been, you know, zooming people in to watch the professional development. Now, I will tell you personally, and Ryan, you kind of made a joke about not being distracted. I have a hard time if I'm not there engaging in the professional development, you know, um, but it, 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 there's a place for it, right? And, and I think that the, that the part that you're, you're so right, Jamie, on the professional development side is that we have in our head, we got to go somewhere. We got to go here. We got to go there. When in reality, let's be flexible and efficient and bring it to people right at their fingertips. And I love the point we were saying is like, instead of me going, having to go to this class, I can record myself and they can play it whenever they want. Or like Ryan, what you're saying is, and, and actually one of my past principals tried this and, and, and didn't keep going with it is, do they all need to hear from me at nine o'clock? You know, there's, there's a time and place for that. I really, there is, but what if I record the professional development and they can watch it throughout the day or they can watch it with their team or they can stop it and talk and do this different things. I, I think that uh, we are on to something here where the professional development and just the efficiency of time. And that, that brings me back Ryan to what you brought up with that virtual day, you know, we did lose the virtual day. We were, ours was Wednesday. And I told, you know, Dr. Patel's awesome. I got that about getting feedback and, you know, we're a pretty large district. And she asked my, you know, thoughts on it. I said, you know, my staff loves the day because they are getting so much deeper into their planning. And I'll, and I'll never forget this. And this is where like I had to advocate for our staff and, 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 you know, I'm not one of those that, it's like, you didn't agree with me or we went a different direction. So, you know, I got to get upset. I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this. You know, I walked into a first grade classroom and Miss Braswell and her first grade team, I was kind of asking them what their thoughts were on the Wednesday. And she was like, it's amazing how much deeper this year I've gotten in planning. And she goes, it's almost embarrassing, you know, almost to what I did in the past to what I am now. And it was like the words just flowed out of her mouth. She's like, you know, she goes, for example, in math, you know, I have the time on Wednesdays. We sit down and we look at what are our essentials? What does our resource, math resource, have? Does it meet that? And it's funny. She's like, it's opened our eyes to how this resource isn't the best resource that our district has provided. We're having to go out and get things. But she goes, before, you're just trying to kind of keep up. And you are planning. And, and there's some deep PLC. But their PLC has gotten so much deeper from the time. Now, I understand it's not the most convenient thing for parents to have to find childcare one day out of the week. But I'll tell you what, when you start thinking about things, uh, and we've had those discussions at our school, maybe the middle ground, and I know there's districts that do, you know, half day P PD every week. Um, or even in my thought is, 
What if you did two days or two Fridays out of the month or two Wednesdays out of the month? I'm telling you the, the planning that our teachers and the depth at which they planned got so much deeper on those days. Not to mention, you know, something, Jamie, you brought up in kind of a roundabout way is being present in the classroom and not having to leave the classroom. You know, we did almost all of our IEP meetings on Wednesdays. Now, we don't pull teachers typically from the classroom because we usually do it. But, but when do we do it? During their plan time. So they've now lost that plan time because they're, you know, being a part of an IEP team. They don't get that back. You know what I'm saying? So those Wednesdays, we were able to be efficient and line those up as principals. We then weren't pulled, you know, like it, it goes back to that efficiency piece, having those virtual days. And then, like you said, Ryan, the asynchronous, my kids were at home getting a lot of work done asynchronous, you know, and didn't need the check-in with the teacher necessarily, you know? So I, I do agree uh, with the, the, with some, you know, with everything that you guys said, but that's, those are a couple of things that jumped out to me. Anything as I've been talking, anything else you want to add to that? Hey, this has really worked for us. We're going to keep the ball going on this thing. Well, I just think Dustin and I, you guys can both probably talk from your perspectives, but uh, the, the attention and focus on at least, you know, because high schools can sometimes really love our content. And yeah. Really yeah. I know where you're there. going. Yeah. Um, that, that we have really spent a lot more time with the focus on the social and emotional needs of our, of our kids. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and again, you know, all the work you're doing, uh, with, with equity, Jamie and cultural proficiency, you know, making sure that our students had Wi-Fi and had food to eat, um, that those things that maybe, you know, people, at least at some schools, you know, you hear that, well, that that's not a school's job. It's just, we're there to educate kids. Um, no, we're, we're there. We're there for everything. And uh, I think this really forced us all to take a look at to make making sure that our kids had their their, their basic needs met and uh, socially and emotionally were doing OK and asking how they were and uh, really trying to dig into to what's happening. So um, I, I think that at least as far as from you know my my interactions at school with our teachers, I mean, they're they're much more empathetic. They're much more um, in tune with how the kids are really doing. They're much more li liable to, to give retakes and to really focus on the learning than the grades. So, um, you know, again, that stuff better not ever go back to where, you know, where it was previously. And uh, I'm going to make sure it doesn't because um, it, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm a big believer if we're doing those things right, and we're taking care of the kids' basic needs. Um, the education stuff will follow. Um, so I know we're going to talk or we may, maybe it'll be next episode. I know we're going pretty long and deep already, but uh, you know, the, the gaps that have been created because of this, you know, I, I, I get that we're not all going to be perfect with our content standards where we, where we were and where we should be, but um, maybe it's time to revisit why those content standards are yeah. so darn important. And maybe yeah. we should focusing more on the, um, the, the social and emotional needs and making sure our basic fundamental needs of, uh, uh, of uh, life are met before we start really focusing on, well, you know, that we didn't get this part of uh, the, the math curriculum in this year. So now we're going to have to figure out how to catch back up. Um, well, let's have a different conversation about what did we learn um, that can help them, our, our students, you know, access um, anything that they want to after, after high school, at least in my case, you know. Right. Right. Um, Jamie, did you want to jump in on there? I was going to, uh, yeah. you know, the, they, uh, you know, as you were talking there, you know, a couple of things popped to mind and, and we can kind of, you know, 
transition that a little bit there is one of the things we talked about before is, you know, now as leaders, as principals, as teachers, as we get to April, you know, the other day I just sent out, Hey, let's start working on class lists for next year. We start that transition. And I do think this is something that I anticipate. I think teachers, you know, we're all tired. We're getting, we're getting close to the end. I think we'll go away. I do think I can see, and I think principals and leaders need to be prepared for a lot of anxiety when we re-enter the school next school year. I think that teachers, because, you know, they need to get through this school year. I think the reality though, is they're going to come back next year and may notice or feel as if maybe the students aren't as far along as they typically are, or there might be some more gaps. And I think as administrators and leaders, we need to start putting our thinking caps on a little bit that meta leadership and thinking about how are we going to handle some of those gaps and even how are we going to work with staff to use that word, you know, steal from you, you know, trying to be empathetic about that, you know? Um, and so I think that as leaders, we need to start thinking and brainstorming a, how are we going to attempt to one, well, I guess, put the cart before the first let's do we have structures in place to identify if there even is a gap, you know, are we doing a lot of assuming or do we have great data pieces that we can do, you know, for us, we're already talking about when, you know, NWEA is something we give multiple times a year. When are we going to give that when they come back in the fall? When are we going to have our first benchmark reading assessment done by, you know, and then how are we going to attack what we see, but you can't come up with a plan until you have the data, right. That, that you can see. I think one of the things that districts need to, and I know our district is trying to look at it and budgets are tight is that, I think one of the things that we need to look at is, you know, Todd Whitaker would say it's not programs, it's people. I think that a lot of feedback I got from my teachers is even when we were in the hybrid model, which you mentioned, Jamie, is we had kids growing. We had kids get learning. And it was because there was 10 kids in the class, you know, and that teacher had the ability to sit down and notice every single kid's, you know, struggles or positives. And going back to social emotional could really build up kids because they were noticing those positives or having those conversations that maybe the kid didn't feel, you know, right sharing in front of 20, 25 kids. But when there's 10, you get to know them a little bit more, you feel more open. You know, it was amazing to me. We didn't have very much discipline when we were in the hybrid model. I mean, like none, none. <laughs> and I think Ryan, it, our teachers talked about how they were able to have so many more conversations the anxiety of kids was so much lower because they didn't have everything going on around them. I think as districts, one thing we learned is that we know lower class size. We knew that can be effective, but watching it in action um, was really amazing. And if you, there's no program out there where you're going to go, Oh, well next year we're going to implement this program. Don't worry about it. It's going to close all these gaps. It's not going to happen. It's, it comes from people. It comes from interaction with kids, small groups, and, and that interaction. So I, I just encourage leaders, you know, school board members to, you know, the most important thing we do, I know there's a lot that goes on in a district is it, when it comes down to it is instruct our kiddos. We've got to build classrooms and climates that, that can do that. Um, and, and there's that social emotional uh, uh, piece to that as well. Anything you guys want to jump in on there? 
Yeah, I will. So we've, we've said both of these words, equity and access, and I, I want to leave our readers with this tonight to think about, especially as you start planning for next year and you start thinking about how, you know, how might we recognize some gaps that have been, I would say, further perpetuated because of the pandemic and just all the change that occurred in the last year. But when we talk about equity, um, I really encourage not only you uh, as the one listening to this podcast, but those, you know, the teachers in your buildings to think about the simple question of, are we providing each and every child what they need at the speed um, and the amount that they need it in? Um, that's, that's really the, the heart of the equity piece. So every faculty meeting, that should be the question. Um, every data meeting where we're talking about those students who are just not thriving, um, whether it's social emotionally, whether it's academically, like that is the question. Are we doing um, and, and providing what they need at the speed and amount that they need it at? The access part, Ryan, which, which you mentioned, um, yeah, this pandemic made us think about some of our practices and our behaviors that are either pro- providing that access or really denying it. And I use the metaphor all the time. Another question to ask in faculty meetings is what we're doing opening the doors for these, these students, children, or is it closing it? Um, and we're the only ones that get, we, we have the power within the school system to be able to open those doors. So I think, you know, as we think about these practices that we're keeping or not, I think those are two very important questions is, are we providing them what they need, the speed they need it, the amount that they need it in? And um, is this closing or opening the doors for them? Because that, that's our job. Um, and until we can say that, yes, every student is thriving in our system, uh, we, we have to be pushing forward with equity and access work, um, whether you're using the cultural proficiency framework to do so or not, so. Absolutely. I like the, uh, the questions and I love the emphasis on we. You know, we a lot of times can find all the other reasons why a student is not thriving. Um, but a lot of times we have, like you just said, so much control over that. And we have to accept that control, take responsibility, that control and do the most we can with that control. And I love when you say opening doors, right? I mean, um, and I'm sure at the high school there, you know, when you say that, I think the high school teachers, instructors, and, you know, at the college level, there's a little bit more connection to that, right? Because they can see that door is coming soon, you know, and it's either going to be wide open or not. I think at the elementary level, there's so many, you know, we have to really, and one of the things I talk to our teachers about is it's the foundational skills. You are providing so many foundational skills that will or will not allow them to thrive, you know, as they, as they move on through their life. So this is your time, you know, and, and you're a big piece to the puzzle just now. And, you know, our teachers hate cause they, they don't get to see them a lot of times when they're seniors or wherever, you know, they don't get that piece and they, but they were a piece of that, you know, uh, along the way. I like that. Um, and it made me think earlier, what you were saying is, you know, this is an opportunity to, to say, you know, with that control is, is what we're instructing. And, and you kind of hit on this, Ryan, is it important? I mean, is, do we really need to teach that anymore? Cause it, what, that's another thing that this has made us do is cut the fluff and get to the stuff. And I yep. think that's a great, great thing for our teachers to have been forced to do for principals have been forced to do. Um, and I think that's why I know in our building, we saw K 
kids are still learning and they're still growing it. But I'm a believer it's because of the planning and teachers are really kind of getting down to the nitty gritty, you know? Um, and I think that's opening up doors. I really do uh, by getting to that. Ryan, any last thoughts here as we kind of wrap this one up? No, I, I really like Jamie's questions. I did. Uh, I'll be using those at my faculty meeting uh, next year. I mean, the, the big one, I mean, especially the systematic part of, are we closing doors? I mean, it, it's scary to think for how many years we've been, we haven't asked those questions and uh, really, uh, you know, glad Jamie brought it up again uh, tonight as, as we continue to think about it. And I hope not only myself, you, Dustin, but our listeners really take that to heart because there are so many things that, uh, you know, were, were really eye-opening for me personally when I saw that, that maybe you, you kind of glossed over because it wasn't as apparent. But this year, when you uh, did not have people in your building, you did not have these other ways that you could connect with kids, we had to make sure that we were uh, getting access to all. And uh, it's a start. It, it's, it's a very, it's a foundational start, but uh, it, it, it had to start somewhere. It's a, it's a shame a pandemic really had to kickstart that movement, uh, at least at our school. But uh, um, we, we've got a long way to go and I'm excited about it. So again, uh, always great stuff. I, I, le I learned as much uh, from you guys as, as I hope our listeners do from us. Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, absolutely, uh, you know, looking at that, we did also prove to ourselves we can change pretty darn fast. You know, you know, we, we, a lot of times think, Oh, we got, we got to do this and we got to do this. And, you, and it just made me think of that. Cause Ryan, you said the foundation is laid. Well, sometimes we can build that house pretty fast. You know, we, yeah. we kind of give ourselves excuses to draw it out, but I think sometimes we can build it faster than we think. So as we wrap this up, I would actually just kind of put in a bow on this. I was kind of sitting here thinking is, you know, I would encourage our leaders, teachers, whoever, to take some quiet time. And uh, I'm one, I never close my office door. Just, I don't do it. Um, but maybe close that office door here over the next few weeks and say, and write down, what are those things that, and, and just make a long, make a, a brain uh, list of a brain dump here of what are all the things we implemented in the last year? And then I would say, take that list and just start going one by one and say, nope, not going to do that anymore. You know, we don't need to do that. Circle the ones that you want to make sure that your staff and your students hold on to. And then I think you've already started to build what next year when the staff comes back, I think you're already building your first presentation. You know, right now is a lot. We need to be reflecting and and obviously we need to get to June and then do some, maybe wait till June to do that. But my, my uh, assignment for our listeners would be is to do some reflecting and make a laundry list of here's all the things we did. Here's what we're going to keep. Here's what we're going to get rid of. And uh, you know, this is a great time. I know I mentioned it for PTOs to do the same thing for all, you know, leaders to do the same thing across the board. What are things we're doing that we want to keep? and we don't want to go back to and, and don't want to change on. This is a great reflection period. So uh, I love that, Jamie. You get quote of the night, but you are the brains of the operation. So what are we doing to open those doors for our kiddos? So uh, thank you guys for hanging in there and, and uh, for Jamie and Ryan for hanging in there since my internet crashed here earlier. So we'll get off uh, before hopefully that happens again. So Thank you guys for another uh, episode. Hit us up, subscribe, share, give us feedback, educational leadership on the go 
on iTunes, Spotify. It's all out there. Thank you.